Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. You have a, um, I, I've got a bunch of keys by the front door and I don't know what any of them are for. It's just become this little bunch of keys that I have and I kind of try them in things, they don't really work and I wouldn't, they wander around and eventually they go on the keys that I might one day find out what they fit ring by the door and it gets bigger all the time. Has anybody else got a, a keys that, like that? Oh good, I'm not the only one, a few people. Maybe we could all try each other's keys. See? <laughs> um, but the thing is, possessing a key and not knowing where it fits makes it pretty useless, doesn't it? It doesn't matter that you've got the key if you don't know what to do with it. it, means, it all it basically means is that there's a lock somewhere that you can't open. And um, Jesus said he was coming to give us the keys of the kingdom. We're in a series, just since the beginning of January, every week I've been speaking about the kingdom because Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven more than anything else. He, and he actually said that this is what we should make our focus in life. He said, if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else, he'll be able to sort that out. And um, the, the, the Bible really is a book of keys. But just because you hold the keys doesn't necessarily that you know how to do anything with them. You, you know, the most religious people in the world, the Pharisees, if you're at some of the, the places we were speaking about them this morning, had the keys but they just use them to, to lock themselves up with and to lock other people up as well. And uh, even Christian believers can hold the Bible and open it up, but don't know how to use the keys to open up the kingdom. Don't know if you've ever heard the saying, he who does not read is no better than he who cannot read. So just because you can read doesn't mean it's doing you any good if you're not reading. The same is true of somebody who has a key but doesn't know what it's for. Somebody who has a Bible that's full of hundreds and thousands of promises from God, but doesn't access them. The question is, are we accessing the realm of heaven? Jesus said to the religious experts of, of the Bible of his day, he said, my word does not dwell in you, for you do not believe in me. You don't believe in the one that I sent. I think I might have this on the scripture. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's like they had the keys, but they had no kingdom access. They weren't using the keys. Knowing the Bible is vital, but you can know all kinds of stuff about the Bible and it'd be of no benefit whatsoever to you if you don't add faith to it. I was, when I was at um, university doing a theology degree, the New Testament section, when we were looking at Mark's gospel, was taught by a guy called, I don't matter his name, but... He was an expert in the Gospel of Mark. He'd studied it, spent his life's work. He'd written books and commentaries all about it. He was an expert in Greek and one of the foremost um, experts in the world on Aramaic. And he was a total atheist. Didn't believe in God at all. And it's possible, actually, to be practically a Christian atheist. What do I mean by that? I mean, well, somebody who basically, you could say, yeah, I prayed a salvation prayer whenever it was, in 1980-something some, 90 or whatever, you'd say that was the day I became a Christian. But then when something happens on a day-to-day -day basis, when, especially when there's a problem that comes up, it, God may as well not be real to you. God may as well not be alive to you. Because basically when that happens, you're going to depend upon yourself in order to be able to solve a problem as if God 
isn't real. That's what a Christian atheist is. And so we're in a series about the kingdom and tonight I'm talking about the keys of the kingdom and then we're going to use those keys and I'm going to invite you to pray with us and we're going to pray and believe that what we pray in this room tonight is going to help us to unlock some things in the future that God has for us as Ivy Church, wherever we meet now or in the future. So I'm really grateful for people who turned out tonight to be able to pray like that because I believe there's such power in this. I actually believe there's a lot of power in this teaching about the kingdom of heaven. I think it's no mistake. God kind of set me up to speak about this at the start of a year of acceleration. I didn't even know, I thought it was going to be a week or two, but I don't know when it's going to stop, to be honest with you. I've been teaching it week on week out and it's a year of acceleration. And that's no accident because actually one of the prophetic words that God gave us way in advance, we're going to look at later on, was that God talks about Ivy being given some keys. Keys to the city is what Graham Cook spoke about. Some years ago we had him to come back, some of you might have been here, and he came from America, this guy who's originally a, a, a Manchester guy, and he came and he spoke to us and he spoke about the keys to the city again. And I think that as we, as we grab hold of this and as we learn these principles and, about the kingdom of God, you, you start to see things differently. You start to approach problems differently. You actually become a different person. And so we approach issues like what's going to happen about Fallowfield and where they're going to meet and what's going to happen with Cineworld and where they're going to meet and what we're all going to do in the different sites, etc. We, we, we see all of those things differently when we see with a kingdom perspective. Because we're in a year of acceleration like that, it says. When God does it quicker than you think. And who would have thought at the end of last year, if I'd have stood up and said, guess what? By this time <laughs> now, um, 256 will have um, gone to ready all set up and, been, and found out that this pool table has been put up in the room that they were meeting in. And so they've had to become Fallowberry <laughs> and meet in here. Um, or what else could it be? Didsfield. Uh, and it just so happened that God was wise enough that this building would be ready for them to be able to be here. And then, who would have thought that the new multinational company that's taken over, Cineworld, nothing to do with the local people, but the head office in London would be kind of bargaining a little bit with us and talking to us for a few months and then eventually just pretty much out of the blue would say to us we want to get rid of the old contract that you've had for five years and um, for no extra benefit for no extra screens for no extra time we want you to pay us three times as much money and uh, and that's a huge amount of money and uh, it's a daft amount and I'm so grateful for Ivy staff and elders and please pray for us all but as we go ahead into the future we're going ahead with full faith because Ben and the guys at Cineworld for instance have been feeling for a while it was time to expand to make more room for more people because full was great and it was getting full all the time but full isn't that great because it means there's not much room for anybody else to come along so they were Easter day there's going to be two services and the plan is that it will roll out into into double services, two services to make more room for growth. And then God does it quicker than you think. <laughs> He's shaking it up. Last week, some of you were there at Cineworld when Ben announced this. We'd only found out on a Friday. To be honest, as a church, we have a kind of full disclosure church. Now, basically, if I'm in leadership, I'm not going to sit on things and you know you have to wonder about them and find them out while we all go off in little meetings and make decisions. Because basically, we need you to pray. And the only way you can pray with knowledge is if you know what's going on, isn't it? So we want to be able to be open and to share as much as we know. And if we don't know, we don't know. But if we do know, and the stuff that we can tell you, we definitely want to tell you. So Ben announced last week, and what a church, because as he did that, people clapped 
and whoop and cheered and we're like, yeah, come on, this is good. And uh, I was just at a meeting in the week of a whole bunch of church leaders from around the country. When I talked to a few of them and said that that was the case, and when I talked about how Ian Horton in his wheelchair on the way out at the coffee time, he just said to me, he said, I think this is good, you know, I think, I think um, we've got comfortable in the cinema. And uh, we're not like that, we're, we're supposed to be on the move. And I tell that to other church leaders, they can't believe it. But you see, some of us were there five years ago, actually some of you might remember that I ran the marathon uh, five years ago, uh, on a horrible day. Why didn't I get a day like today to do it? Uh, in order to help to get the money so that then we could pay a big lot up front and put some lights in and various other stuff and we gave some to Haiti and everything. But it was because we'd been on a journey and we believed that we were being led by God and that he was the one who was going to provide and he was the one who was going to guide for us and it was only by his leading, only by his grace, only by his favour, only by his blessing that we got in there in the first place. And, um, you know, when you, but when you start saying that to people... They're like, oh wow, and your people don't all like, didn't just leave and write bad letters and stuff straight away. And that's, that means that this is an unusual church. Do you know it's an unusual church? Look at the person next to you, you're not sure. <laughs> and, and it's a grow, it's, these pains are growth pains. I'm happy with growing pains. You know, I'm happy with, with, with growing pains. I love growing pains. So many churches, their problems are all of the pain of decline, of shrinking, of death. It's so sad when you see church buildings closing down because nobody wants to go to them anymore and, and just selling them off and just, a, you know, aging congregations and dying off. And it's, you know, that's not my kind of problem. I don't know, to be honest with you, how well I could handle that kind of a problem. And I don't think I'm set up to manage decline really very well and to be honest as I also as I look in the Bible it seems to me the kingdom of heaven is something that's supposed to be expansive and expansive expanding even I made up all word and and it's always growing and spreading out and see I think God was getting me ready for this next season in the church as a leader by telling me make sure you start really get thinking in, in terms of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God in this year because um, it's important for us to do that and that's also helps me realize how important and strategic and powerful prayer is and how it is now and it's how it's going to be, especially in these next months. We've been seeing week after week, I'll just recap for anybody who wasn't here, how in the beginning God created everything. He made the heavens and the earth. And then he wanted the earth to be like a colony of heaven, so he gave authority to some people that he created and he made them to be kings and queens, to rule on his behalf, to rule and extend his, his rulership over the whole of the earth. He created them, he breathed life into them, he breathed his spirit into them so that they could rule by his spirit and, the, and that they, they would be able to extend that kingdom everywhere. But sin corrupted them. They chose to give it all away instead. They handed over their authority and the spirit departed from them. People severed that connection with the spirit. And we've seen that Jesus came back to, came to bring the kingdom back, to reintroduce the kingdom of God, to restore the kingdom of God, to put it in the hearts of people again, so that we learn to live and function under heaven's governing authority, letting the kingdom come now where we are. Until he brings it back fully 
to earth again. So one day, Peter is, uh, comes to find Jesus. He's been looking for him all over the place because the day before, Jesus has been doing all kinds of miracles and everybody's like a huge Jesus fan and they're all wanting Jesus, Jesus, Jesus and they can't find him. So they send Peter and Peter finds him and he comes to him and he, he, wants to, he says, come on, everybody wants you over here. And Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to these other towns also because that is why I was sent. Jesus knew what he came for. He came to preach the kingdom. He came to bring the kingdom. He came to restore the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom for Jesus. It should be all about the kingdom for us. He said, seek the kingdom first. Don't go worrying about everything else. A couple of weeks ago, if you were here, he commanded us not to worry. So I'm not worrying. Because I've been commanded not to. There's nothing I've got to worry about. There's a lot we've got to pray about. Jesus said, seek the first the kingdom today and everything else will be added to us. And Jesus came to teach about the kingdom, to restore the kingdom, bringing the kingdom with him. If you were here last week, we looked at how the, the enemy, the devil, took away the crowns and the keys from the king and the queen. And then Jesus came and he won them back for us he, so that you would be an ambassador of Christ, so that you would be a citizen of heaven, so you would have access to all that, that, that place that we are made for, all of its rights and all of its benefits and all of its privileges can be ours now, not when we die, when we go to heaven. Heaven's meant to be coming to us. Heaven's coming to earth. In Matthew 13, verse 11, Jesus told his disciples, the secrets of the knowledge of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you. That's his followers. But not to them. There's people outside of the relationship with Jesus who are never going to think like this. They're never going to see this, but we should. How do we access these benefits? The power of heaven here on the earth for miracles, for healing, for provision. So that instead of being ruled by circumstances, as we keep going back to in Romans 12, one of my favourite verses, it talks about we can reign in life through Christ Jesus. That's what we're meant to do. That's our inheritance. So how do we do that? We use the keys of the kingdom in order to access the power and the provision of heaven. See, it doesn't need to even be a big key. A little key can open, you know, you can have a little key, it can start a HGV, couldn't it? It can start a huge truck. One day, Jesus asked disciples some very important questions. In Matthew 16, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? In other words, who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Well, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And he knew what he was saying there as a Jewish believer was huge. Those two titles were specially reserved. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. We need a revelation. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, on what you just declared, what came out of your mouth, what you said about me that was revealed to you, I will build my church. Everybody say church. I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose in earth will be loosed in heaven. And the word church there is ecclesia, ecclesia. People hear the word church now and they think about a religious building that you go to. 
But Jesus wasn't talking at all about buildings when he said that. He's not actually that interested in buildings. He's interested in building people. Ecclesia was not even a religious word at all when Jesus first said it. They wouldn't have heard that. They would have heard a political word. They would have heard a government word. We're just about to take a vote for the mayor. It's in that kind of sphere that this word ecclesia is is being spoken about because it means a council or even a cabinet. Ecclesia was a political governmental term used by the Greek-speaking world of the day everywhere across the Roman Empire. So you could call the Senate in Rome an ecclesia. If the governor... If Pontius Pilate called together a group for a task, that would be his ecclesia. If Caesar called together a group of people and gave them a task, that was an ecclesia. It was a task force. Like the cabinet of the government, handpicked by the leader for a specific purpose. So Jesus says to them, because you know and declare who I am, I'm going to give you some of heaven's keys. And when I give you these, nothing's going to be able to stop you. That itself is a key, isn't it? What you speak out. The words that you speak out. What you declare with... When you declare with faith, that's a key. When you declare with faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, when you make that bold declaration, whatever else the world might say about Jesus, whatever other God's people are worshipping, whenever you say Jesus Christ is Lord, Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, then that opens a door. It opens a door on heaven. Something in the heavenlies opens. And, and that's you know, something that I want us to, to talk about when we're praying tonight. When we're praying some keys to the kingdom tonight. That's, that to me is, is key number one. Who do you say Jesus is in this situation? It's about faith. But it's not just faith and believing, it's about faith in Jesus, in who Jesus really is. It's the faith that declares in any and every circumstance, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that? Not just here and now, but in the week. In the circumstances that we're facing. Whether you're going through hard times yourself, when we're going and we just don't know about how a provision's going to come and what's going to happen. Can you, first of all, say... I don't know what God's going to do. I don't know what, how this is going to work, be worked out. But what I do know for sure is this. Jesus is Lord. Because that opens up heaven. I know some of you have been here long enough at Ivy. So no, this is just some more steps on the journey. Some more pathways on the adventure. Maybe some of you have joined more recently. Actually, can I ask, have you joined? If you say you're part of Ivy? Because actually we're going to find out sometime soon whether you've really joined or whether you're just kind of along for the ride. While it's good, while it's easy-ish, while you can just come into a maybe cine world and sit in a comfy chair and uh, have a Starbucks, listen to some music, have a talk, go home. Some people, and we always find this, some people are, are along for the ride, but when the bus goes somewhere where they didn't expect it to go, then they jump off. And are you one of them? Or have you decided that you're here, wherever here is? Because that's what I've decided. Wherever here is in the future, because it's not about a building. It's about an ecclesia. 
It's about a group of people that God has called us together. It's being part of a people with a purpose, declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord anywhere and everywhere that he leads us. That's key number one. When we pray tonight, and we're going to pray about this stuff later, whenever we pray, wherever we go, we always start off by declaring it, Jesus Christ is Lord. See, in the, in the ancient Near East, a king, what a king would do, he would have a palace, and in the palace there would be storerooms. They would keep their treasures and their gold and grain, and the king could pick out a steward, a person that he trusted, who then he would give the keys to the storeroom. It might just be one key. It was the highest honour that a king could bestow would be to give him the keys to the storehouse. In those days, the servant who, who took the key could wear it on a chain around his neck, and it was like a badge of honour. People would, would just get such respect for the fact that the king had given him the key to the storehouse and it would be obvious to everybody that he had access, that he was trusted, that he had authority around the palace. And if the steward was doing his job right, he would never take that chain off his neck. He would guard it with his life. He wore it everywhere as a sign that he had permission from the king. Jesus said to his ecclesia, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. That's me and you. If I get the keys to somewhere, if you've got the keys to this building, it's because somebody gave them to you because they trusted you, because you're known, because you're authorised. There's places you can go in this building that other people can't go. It means you have permission. It means you're trusted. See, the Bible never actually talks about the keys to the kingdom because Jesus is the way. He's the one who gets us into the kingdom, but he does talk about the keys of the kingdom. Access into different places, if you like, within the kingdom. Unlocking more of what heaven wants to see here on the earth. Imagine you get, you get the key to a mansion and you get the key and you, you can open, the key's already open, the front door is open. So you, what do you do? You go and you stand in the porch and you just stay in the porch. What a waste. You got the door, you went in through the door, but then you don't go into any of the rooms. There's a preacher called Robert Liardon. He wrote a book, one of these, I, had, I went to heaven, I had a vision kind of experiences. I don't know if he did or he didn't, to be honest with you, but he says he did, and who am I to argue? And he just writes some pretty staggering things that he says that he saw in this vision or whatever it was. And one of the things that I always never forget was that he said like in heaven, there were these rooms, loads of different rooms. And Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many rooms, so. But he said, what are these rooms? And he was told, these rooms are full of unclaimed blessings. Healings that nobody dared pray for. Miracles nobody was bold enough to ask for. Provisions for kingdom projects just sitting there, unclaimed. Nobody on the earth was saying, I believe I can have that. Nobody was using the keys of faith that would open up those rooms. So praying with the key of faith means you're not half-hearted, it means you're not double-minded. James 1 says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. So if you're like, oh, I don't know and I don't know, well, you don't know. You're not going to receive anything from the Lord. So this is how I'm praying right now for the new building and opportunities the Lord has given us. I'm declaring, first of all, Jesus Christ is Lord. Is anybody with me on that? No, it's not. Hang on. Uh, not like, hmm. Let me go over here and try that again. 
So this is how I'm praying with regard to the new buildings and opportunities that God's going to give us in this year of acceleration. I'm declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord. Is anybody else? Yes. Fantastic. See, we're not subject to the whims of man. We're subject to the will of God. We're trusting him and declaring that greater things are still to come, that God's still got bigger plans, that God is up to something and we're part of it and there's a bigger and a better future for all of our churches in this year of acceleration. Will you join me to pray like that when we pray about this? And we put the keys to this building down years ago. Some of us were here when when it was there, when that was the the stage. Some of us were in the room, a few people are nodding. And if you had keys to the building, we came and we all put our keys down. We basically said, Lord, this is the building that we've got. It's the only building that we've got. We don't know what you're going to do and where you're going to take us, but we'll lay this down. And then we'll just trust you to be able to take us wherever you want to take us in the future. Do what you want. Do what you want with us. Do what you want with the building. It's a really powerful thing to do. And it's a, again, this is an unusual church because people don't normally do that kind of thing. But it was after we'd laid that down. You know what? Sometimes God asks you to lay something down and then he doesn't want to kill it after all. Like with Isaac. He just wants to see, what's your first love? Then you lay it down and then he sent a ram up the other side of the mountain and he was preparing something else at the same time. And he's, he's prepared all kinds of different places for us. So we've got to keep holding lightly to it and being able to, willing to lay everything down. Because sacrifice always releases power. So using the keys means you can lock things. It means you can also unlock things. It means you can say, stop, and things will stop. It means that you can, you can pray and you, and you can unlock some things. Isaiah 22, verse 22. It talks about a steward around then. And uh, this steward has been unfaithful in his position. And so God says, I want you to take that stewardship off that person. Then he names another person who's faithful instead, who's going to replace him. And this is what he says, I'm going to give him the key of the house of David. He shall open and none shall shut. And he shall shut and none shall open. That's what the key of David does. This is what. And then in Revelation 23 verse 7, which we're going to be looking at in the summer, Jesus says, guess what? I hold that key. He said, I hold the key of David. In the church of Philadelphia, he writes, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one will open. Jesus got the keys back and he wants to give them to us. And what he opens, you might think, it's impossible, nobody can open that. Jesus can open it. Here's another key. If we don't use this, We'll not go any further when we pray. It's the key of forgiveness. If you ever want a how does the kingdom work story told by the king, then you need to look in Matthew chapter 18. I'll just read it quickly and then quickly comment on it. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered he and his wife and children and all that he had to be sold and repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything, which is ridiculous. He can't do that. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant found out, so, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me back what you owe, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and says exactly the same thing. He begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. He went and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay his debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master, the king, everything that had happened. 
Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just like I did with you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now listen to this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We can't go asking from God while we've still got stuff going on with somebody. You can't get that kind of vertical thing going until you're sorting out some horizontal issues. Jesus says if you've got something, even if you come into worship and then you remember, actually, I need to go and sort this out with this person. You better go and sort that out first before you come and bring your worship. This is so important with regard to prayer. So many people are wondering why, why I'm not getting this answer. And maybe it's because there's, there's somebody that they've not forgiven. The key of the kingdom is hit there and it's forgiveness. You have to unlock other people to be able to be free yourself and then heaven opens up before you. You have to not hang on to malice, not to get into disputes. We're not going to be nasty to silly world or the owners of 256 or anything else. We don't fight like that. We don't even fight for ourselves. We don't defend ourselves. I learned long ago, if you defend yourself, God says, okay, you can defend yourself. But, you know, if we don't, then he'll fight our battles. He's the Lion of Judah. He's fighting our battles. That's, who's the king in this story? It's God. And what's he like? He's incredibly rich and unbelievably generous. And he lets debtors go free and he pardons me. And if I treat others the same way, he'll keep on treating me like that. But if you ever start to nurse a grudge or harbour a hurt or hold on to hatred, look who it is. That story says who ends up behind bars. Forgiveness is the key. It's a massive power in the kingdom of God. Forgiving other people frees up space in your life to bless you, for God to bless you more and more abundantly and see more of your prayers answered. You can't hold on to what God wants to give you if, you shake, if you've got that hand closed tightly and you're shaking a fist with it. You can't receive it from God. So let go. Better let go. And then you get that key put in your hand that heaven holds for you. Number three, finally, the key of authority. It says, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralysed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I'll come and heal him. See, this man has got a door that he can't open. He's got a circumstance that he can't control. Even though he had money, he had power, and he's up against it, a problem that he can't solve, a door that he can't open. Literally, his servant was at death's door, and there's nothing that he can do about it. But then he explained how he saw what was happening when prayer was taking place, how he understood prayer, how the kingdom of God operates here on the earth. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go and he goes, and to another one, come and he comes, and to my servant, do this and he does that. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Because this guy obviously is not a, a Jew, he's a Gentile. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in what? In the kingdom of heaven. So, see this man showed that he knew a thing or two about the key of authority. When I was in the police, I used to put on a daft-looking helmet with a badge on it, and that had the crown. 
It's a symbol of authority on it. And you had crowns on, your, on, on here and on the buttons. That was my symbol that, the, that behind what I was doing, there was authority. If I went and stood out in the traffic and went like that, cars would stop. If I went and did it now, <laughs> if, I, if I could not operate under authority, it wouldn't be long before I didn't operate in authority. If I was the, the, the policeman who was going around disobeying the boss and doing my own thing and you know, making up my own rules, I would soon lose the authority that I'd been entrusted with. See, this soldier knew about authority. He had authority. He knew that he was there because of Caesar. When he was in Rome, he could say to somebody, come and they would come and go because he would go because when he spoke, it wasn't just him speaking. Who was speaking? Caesar. Thousands of miles away in Rome. But he had the authority when he spoke. And when you live your life under the authority of the king, then you have, you have authority when you pray. This applies whether or not you were born a Jew, according to Jesus, which is good news for me. You can sit down and take your place alongside people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, because now you're a citizen of the kingdom and you've got authority when you pray. And Jesus said, this guy's actually got more faith than any Jewish person I've ever met so far. Why? Because he used the key of authority to open something up, the healing miracle. And he said, I know that the same way my words work, that's how your word is going to work. Wow. So in a moment, we're going to pray into our future. We're going to do it with confidence and faith. We're going to speak with authority because of the faithfulness of God in the, in the past. But before we do, let me give you a few points, a few prophecies, some from way back before I got here and a more recent one as well, which I just got this week. And by the way, we pray and we keep our eyes open. I don't mean you have to pray with your eyes open. What I mean is we pray and then we're looking around, around the land. I'm inviting you, please be looking out for options and ideas about different things. God might show you when you're praying and God might show you when you're out walking and God might show you when you're driving. Because in a minute we'll throw up a few things that even in the last couple of weeks people have said, oh, this is a possibility or we've kind of stumbled across something. None of this is a plan. None of this is what we're definitely doing. Please don't go from here and say, Anthony said we're going to go here, we're going to do that or whatever because if you do, I'll find you and I'll kill you. <laughs> Maybe I won't. Can you strike that bit off the podcast? So these are, these are for prayer. You know, where should, where should um, Fallowfield move? Uh, or should they stay here? What does God want to open up? The other day I'm, I'm driving along and I spotted this pub on Wilmslow Road by the Curry Mile, just up for, came up for sale the other day. You know the one with the poem on the side? What's well, that? It's just up for sale. Oh, interesting. Does God want to give us the keys for that? Could God give us the keys for that? Yeah. Easy. God could do that. Does he want to? We need to pray. Um, should we go ahead and look to, to build at this place more? The elders are praying about that at the moment. A big, ambitious, potential plan from everything from the middle there to be knocked back and for us to be able to build something on the site um, that's like basically four times bigger an office and training centre and all kinds of stuff right there with a basement big basement 
huge plans and possibilities. It doesn't actually give us much more space in terms of gathering, but it gives us a lot more flexibility around the future of being able to plant into lots of other places. Is that what we're meant to do? During the summer, what's best? Is it meeting here and at Sharston, maybe, if we're having to be out of Kingsway potentially in a few months' time? I don't know, we need to pray. We need to pray about how long we get in Cine World. If we want to hire places to meet in, what's best? Where's best? Where's best for you to be able to bring people to and for us to be able to gather together? And maybe it, there'll be a, a few times when we say we want everybody not to go to their different places because we're all on this journey together. And we want to come into one bigger place together and just be ivy in a place together. So, you know, whether we hire some big places like the Apollo or that Victoria Warehouse or, or those kind of things again, I don't know, but we need to pray. Uh, this is one some of you might have seen details of. Dan Hasler spotted it first. And uh, the Naya Centre in Hume. 900-seater. Um, Needs a ton of work. <laughs> Parking may be an issue. I don't know, but it's up for auction. And um, maybe it's something that we... we well, we're investigating. We're having a look because it doesn't do any harm to have a look. B&Q at Altringham. Somebody sent me this through the other day. That's been shut for a while. And uh, that's up for sale. You could uh, get a few jobs in B&Q at the same time. <laughs> but that's a big place. I don't know whether we want. Do we want a big place? Do we want a couple of little places? We don't know, do we? It's exciting. I like that. I, I'm quite happy with not knowing. Are you? I'm quite happy with waiting and seeing what God wants to show us and then stepping out in faith. See, we're not saying that we're going to do any of these. We're just saying pray, keep your eyes open, pray with faith, pray with authority. There may be possibilities with existing church buildings with denominations struggling, some of them have fallen on hard times and are selling off old buildings. We've had, had about three conversations in the last couple of weeks about possibilities of those kind of things. Who knows? 2001, Mark Isles gave a prophecy. I'm not going to read it all, I'll read some of it. I see three, this was here, he came to Ivy, he told me that he remembered it, uh, that, that uh, I spoke to him, he said, he remembers, actually some of it he didn't feel like everybody liked. And he also remembers getting done by a speed camera on the way home. <laughs> he said, I see three wellsprings. I readily identify these in the building by the three windows that we have here. So when I say the three wellsprings, I was struck. They represent seasons in the church's life. The first season coming on the church is a season of significance of unity among the churches in this area in Manchester. I really believe this fellowship here, not only the leadership, but the church itself is a church that's going to become significant in praying for and bringing about unity among the churches. Strongly on God's agenda in Manchester for unity among churches across all denominations, not among the like-minded. It's time for people to come together call and get it on God together for the salvation of the people. I believe there will be significant churches through Manchester that God is going to use and this is one of them. Not to raise this place up or make it a special place but the fact is God will use this place and go out from this place to build roads. The way I see the Father's plan working is significant churches in Manchester will form strong links and it will be the fabric that other churches will join and feel part of and comfortable in. I believe that's got something God wants to do and it's going to develop as a season, a theme in this church as people pray and believe. But I think the first thing God is going to do is to bring a burden on the church here of its importance and the need of the sense of unity. And then he says that the second wellspring is there's going to be a release of women's ministry in this place, a real release. I'm not trying to put the men down. I'm, saying, I'm not saying God isn't going to do anything, anything significant in you, but God is going to come upon the ladies in this fellowship in a very significant way and he's going to push you out from behind the bushes <laughs> so that your gifts and your talents are publicly seen. There are going to be many young ladies pushed out 
as well as many of the mature ladies. One of the things I feel strongly in this place is that it's a lovely mix of ages and God is going to come on you in such a way will help the women to overcome their embarrassment and wrong understanding of your place in Christ and bring you into an inheritance. He's going to anoint you in a way that those gifts inside of you are just going to want to come out and are going to pull you out. So there's going to be pushing from behind you of God saying there is a time to be doing this and the time is now and a pulling in front of you with the anointing coming on the ladies, pulling them forward. He says there'll be criticism and trouble over that, but it's something God's doing. And then he says, I can't give you the time spans on these. I just feel there's seasons following one from the other that it really is for you to work out and pray through and seek God in. In the last season, I see a time of provision, a time of financial provision for this fellowship. And my heart immediately went to the Father saying, well, are you saying, are you talking about us moving buildings, Father? Are you talking about redeveloping the building? I feel that is on God's agenda. But before that, I believe God is going to plant out five, say five, five churches from this place so actually the issue of the building is going to be postponed for a while because I believe God are going, people are going to be planted out to five locations and the picture I see is of a wheel or a hub with five spokes coming out they represent the links from the mother church to the fellowship around it I don't know how far they're going to be away but I know they're going to be in travelling distance I feel the father is going to make this place a mother church and initially is going to plant things out the initial sense of growing in this place and numbers will make this room too small they're going to be over come by the fact that God is going to plant out to other churches. This will involve the ladies who've been prepared for this by releasing their ministry, gifts and talents together with the men. This is where it's ending up. The three wells bringing the church to where in simple language it's a, it's a mother church. I, I rang the guy. I got in touch with him at the beginning of the year just because I don't know. I just felt like well, we've done it. God's done all of that. We're there. We want to keep on seeing it happen. But I was like, can you come and give us part B, you know, next bit of it or whatever is and more of that. And he was like, oh, wow, that's amazing. Because, you know, we kind of, that was put away in a file and I pulled it out when I first got him and stuck it up on the wall. But he'd not really heard anything about it since the years he gave it. And before that, a month before that, Graham Cook came. And uh, he said, there is a bunch of keys in Ivy Cottage. One is a key to the city. It's got your name on it. It's not been given by the city fathers. It's given by the father of all nations. You've known for a long time God is trusting you with this key. What God recognises, unredempted man will recognise. There is a place of favour being prepared for you and the house here. There are keys to unlock properties. One of the keys is to unlock a bigger venue. There is a building. It's many times bigger than what you think you need. And the hand of God is going to be on that particular place. It's situated in a place where God is going to move in a very powerful way. The other keys in the bunch are to do with miracle gifts and healing and the supernatural and deliverance and finance and mission. See, they're more important than a building, aren't they? Are they? They are. One key will unlock mission fields in different places. That's a new thing, I think. That's another part of this, as well as all the other great stuff that's happening in our connection with mission. One key is a key into the presence of the Lord. The key is called worship. A key for worship, an anointing for worship, an extraordinary spirit of worship poured out in this place. You need to take steps to receive it. One step is evenings, coming into the presence of God just to worship, just to build a throne for the presence of God. And as you do that, the spirit will fall and something will rise up and God will impregnate worship into the very plaster of this building, into its walls. Worship is a key because as worship is released, we fulfil the first commandment to love God. And we make this a house of prayer. This new building is located in a place where God will give you immense favour. God is releasing the keys. One key is the nature of God and that you become like he is towards each other. 
that there's love and unity and friendship and a level of relationship greater than anything you've known or enjoyed before. As you worship God, something will be released, a friendship, a love, a blessing, an extraordinary unity in friendship that will overwhelm communities and families and people. Even people coming in who've been abused will be baptised into the family by walking into the place. Throughout my ministry, I know that there are times when God places his feet in certain locations, those places become gateways, gateway cities, gateway churches. And the Lord has been preparing you for this. This isn't a new thing to you. It's a longing, a burden in your hearts over long years. And you've prayed and you've cried, but all I'm doing is confirming what God has already said. He's saying there is a day coming faster than you think and it's coming. And there will be a time, not many weeks hence, when instead of saying the king is coming, you'll be saying the king is here. You are supposed to be opening the gates so the king can come in. Does God know what he's doing? Rebecca Brettel, formerly of Ivy, for many years and now uh, living in Wales and heading up the uh, Neighbourhood Prayer Network. Her husband Carl's one of my close friends and we met just the other day and I told him about what had happened and uh, she sent this email the day after from where they live in Wales to Anthony. Hope you're okay. A couple of weeks ago I had a dream. In the dream you'd come to our house in Wales wanting to speak to Carl. Carl was out. He told me something had happened with Cine World and the church had to find somewhere new to meet. See, she didn't know anything about this. This is before this, by the way, just saying that. And there was an urgency about it. You were seeking Carl's advice and he seemed upset with what was happening and he said to me, you're a prophetic person. Why don't you tell me what you feel God is saying? I replied that I didn't know if it was myself or God speaking that you'd need to test whatever I said, but I told you I felt God was leading Ivy to a new building. A building that was in one of the boroughs of Greater Manchester rather than Manchester itself. In the dream it was so clear, but I can't remember where it was. <laughs> the building was an older church that had been renovated by another church that could no longer sustain the costs <laughs> and they wanted to sell it to you or another church inside it was very modern outside it looked like a C of E church but very large in the dream, we weren't sure what to do with the Didsbury site. You seemed to mention a figure of £1.2 million, but I wasn't sure what all of this meant. I told Carl the next day about it, saying how strange it was to dream about you and how vivid it was. And Carl came home yesterday and told me about the rent increase in Cine World, which made me reconsider whether or not it might have been a prophetic dream. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'll do till one comes along. <laughs> so that gives us some pointers for prayer, doesn't it? Why don't you stand up if you're able to stand? Band are going to come up. And I just need us to pray. We all need to pray. And I just want to, I'm going to start off by praying and then you feel free, move around. Don't feel constricted and restricted in the place where you are. Let's move around in this place and just start to pray with authority and boldness. You know, we put some pictures up on the walls here. There was a time we put up some pictures of Cine World years ago when we were here and we were saying we don't know where we're going to go and what we're going to do. Cine World was one of them. It was like too big and ridiculous and we couldn't go there, but we put it up anyway. Who knows what God can do? So Lord, right now, we want to come into your presence. We're aware of your presence and we pray for the kingdom of heaven to be released here in this space and in this place. Lord, it, it, you don't need us to be praying for a long, long time, you just, but you do want us to be praying with faith. You want us to be praying with boldness, with expectation. So right now we declare Jesus Christ is Lord. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. You, you are our Lord. You are building an, an ecclesia, a gathered out group of people, a war council in the world. And you called us to be a part of it. And, and you've given us the keys. You've given us authority here on the earth, Lord, that as we pray in this place, you can release your strategies, your vision, your places, your provision. Lord, you can open doors. You can close doors. You can do it, Lord. So we just declare that with faith. We're not worried. Actually, I haven't got any worry at all in me about this. But Lord, I just come to you and say, we're just excited to think about what you're going to do and how you're going to surprise us and delight us, Lord, by providing miraculously for our needs. We look to you, our eyes are on you. You are our Father in heaven. Let your kingdom come and your will be done, we pray. Right here on the earth, right here in Manchester and beyond. Lord, we thank you that you are so wise. We thank you that in 2001, you knew we'd be here now. You knew what we'd be praying about. And you've already got answers prepared, Lord. You've prepared good works in advance that we should walk in them. You've prepared places for us. Yes, Lord. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.